Welcome back to the Carly Pilk Boys podcast. I'm David Ferrier. I'm Stephen Merchant. Two little Aussie radio fellas air checking the old Ricky Gervais XFM shows. I've listened heaps. This is Zach's first time. We're up to series two, episode 21, broadcast the 11th of January, 2003. Zach, where were you? January 11, 2003. Uh, getting ready to start high school. How exciting. You know, the, num- oh. the number one song in the UK at the time was Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> what is your Heat Magazine style headline for this episode? Did we just witness the birth of Monkey News? Oh, interesting. Did we? I don't know. I, don't I know, know that Monkey News because I've seen those clips pop up on YouTube from the um, podcast. I knew that was a big thing. But... um. You know, Ricky, what is it? Um, something about chimpanzee? It's the What's s- the joke? What's the... Ooh, chimpanzee that? Monkey yeah, news. That's it. And so is that the start of monkey news? Uh, it's the start of monkey boy news. Okay. Is that what you're referring to? I thought monkey news was a famous segment they Hang did. On. Which episode did you listen to? Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I was going to say next week is... Uh, known as the episode with the birth of Monkey News. Uh, Did you hear the story of the child who um, was raised by monkeys? No. Okay. What's, some, what's another story? Did you hear the story of um, Carl's mum shaving a cat? No. Okay, you listened to the wrong episode. <laughs> <laughs> you listened to episode 22. Hang on. <laughs> Give me a look. Hang on. Uh, were we meant to listen to... What were we meant to listen to? 21. 21. Yep, I missed it. That's all right. Well, this will what be are we going to do? This will be an interesting um, new angle on the show. Uh, it's sort of meant to be that you're listening to these for the first time, but um, today you'll just be reacting to me I've describing trusted, events. I've trusted Spotify too much. I thought that the next one in the list it must have um, I must have skipped one or something. Is it in there? Or do, yeah, yeah, do they it's not? in there. It's oh, in there. interesting. Well, let's just push on. Let's see how this goes. I'll tell you that um, in this episode... Well, how many clips do you have to play me? Maybe you I've could just... like three. <laughs> but they're good ones. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe like I'm hearing the clips for the first yeah. time. But am I just going to be asking questions about it? I Mate, don't know if this is going to work. Let's see. Strap in, everyone. Uh, we'll see how this goes. I'll say in this episode you can add animal abuse to the list of things that Carl's parents are guilty of. Is this because of the shaving of the, the cat? Sh- the shaving of the cat, which oh. is in the drawing of Carl's childhood that, that I've talked about a lot on this show. I assume we're going to get into this, but why did she shave the cat? We Well, luckily for that part, I actually have the full clip. Okay. So I can't be believe... You know, there was nothing in the episode I listened to that referred to things that I didn't... You know, usually they're like, last week you are talking about this and that would be a cue for me to be like, oh, you're listening to the wrong episode. I can't believe I um, got through the whole thing. It's a shame because this was a really good episode. Yeah. Next I, week's isn't that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that is a shame. If you're listening to this and there's more episodes, you know, you're in the future, just skip next week's. But I, I've written down it was a more structured show. In oh, this no. episode, Steve tells a story. Okay. Ricky tells a personal story. White Van Carl is back. Oh, no. For the first time in forever. Um, so it was a good one. And I think you can tell 
when they've had meetings about the show before the show. Mm. That's the impression I got because at one point as well, Ricky says, all right, we're turning over a new leaf in 2003. It's a new year. It's a new show. That's so fascinating because without ruining what we're going to talk about next week, in the very next episode, Carl gets really frustrated because no one's brought anything except him. They're so critical of his contribution. He's like, well, you guys aren't bringing anything. <laughs> and so, the, the, you know, the uh, new leaf fell over quickly. Yeah, it um, fell to the ground and uh, went brown very quickly, it sounds like. When you're turning over a new leaf, is that a true reference? I thought it was like kind of a loose leaf book, you know, like a notepad. Oh, yeah. If you're turning the page. Uh, I'm going to Google it right now. Origin of the phrase. This could be in um, Educating Ricky. Turning over a new leaf. Way back in the 16th century, pages in books were referred to as leaves. So turning over a new leaf meant that one was turning to a blank page. The idiom was used to signify a major change in behavior or a new stage in life. There you go. Nice. Well, um, before we get into this recap, which will be very one-sided, um, I'm well, we're mixing things up a little bit. Yeah, if we're, we're, we're back from our break. We're, we're turning over a new leaf. It's a blind react. It's a blind react. A uh, bit of business. Um, there's a new series of the Brady Brett Boys on its way uh, for the senior producers on Patreon. We are going to watch Stephen Merchant's underrated series, Hello Ladies, which, Zach, you've never seen. I haven't seen. I did listen to an interview with Jen Statsky, I think her name is, who's um, an American writer who... She was being interviewed because uh, she's like a co-creator of Hacks, which is a massive show at the moment, and she's written on like Parks and Rec and things like that. She was saying that her first writing gig was on this show, Hello yeah. Ladies. It did one series on HBO and then a tele movie to wrap it up. Um, it was it came off the back of Stephen Merchant's stand up tour, which was also called Hello Ladies. And he collaborated with a bunch of people from the US office on it. And I think it's really good. And it's the only thing Steve Merchant has created that he's put himself front and centre. Even Outlaws, he's part of an ensemble in that that cast. And also this is uh, autobiographical, isn't it? Uh, Not not really. really. There's a lot of elements from his persona in the radio show and the podcasts that he has created cribbed to to create the character Stuart in Hello Ladies. So he doesn't go by Steve. No, 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 no. And he's like a he's an IT guy who lives in Los Angeles and 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 Oh, it's American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives in America. In the UK. He lives in LA and is always chasing supermodels and thinks he um thinks he like uh thinks they're not out of his league and, and, and is just obsessed with the idea of dating someone glamorously beautiful. Mm. But every effort um, comes unstuck for him in hilarious ways. It's got an incredible soundtrack. I still put the soundtrack on just to listen. What was it on, on weekends? Broadcast on? HBO. Oh, American as well. Yeah. Yeah. So why only one season? I just don't think it rated well enough. Okay. Sadly. So, Brady Brett boys, look out for that. Uh, we're going to do Hello Ladies. Also, I um, have talked about this for way too long, but the Carl drawing is complete. The drawing depicting uh, Carl's childhood done in the style of Carl's favourite artist, Lowry. I actually based it off the Lowry painting, The Cripples. It is 
finished. And uh, you can go have a look at it now on our Instagram, also on our Patreon. If you're hearing this, it'll be on the Patreon first. If you're hearing this on Patreon, that's where you'll see it first. Zach, I've already sent it to you, but here it is in the flesh. Wow. Now with color. Now, I'm yeah. going to be honest. I've seen this a number of times, so the color doesn't change it that much. <laughs> but it does It does look like uh, one of uh, Lowry's, paint, Lowry's paintings. But does it not just look, you know, finished now? It's all the little bits are colored in. All the I even added, at the very last moment, I added a little caravan up the back. Oh, there you go. Can I, I'll ask you a few questions that I don't understand. Yes. Um, there seems to be a man with tattoos all over him. That's his uncle, Tattoo Stan. Okay. There's a guy with his testicle hanging out of his short. That's shorts, man. Okay. <laughs> oh, I did know about this one because it's in next week's episode. Um, there's someone very angrily standing next to a smashed car windscreen. Oh, that story's told next week, right? Yeah. 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 Um. So I was I was ready to talk about that, but I guess we'll <laughs> wait seven Put days. Put a pin in it. Uh, you know, there's a tank. There's a buddy shop. What's that like? Um, buddy like bacon buddies, like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Does but, he talk about that? Uh, yeah, he tells the story. And also, do you see what it's next to? The buddy shop is next to bookies. Bookies, exactly. Yeah, because his parents used to run a buddy shop that was next. What, to the bookies. Who are the um, Charlie's Angels? <laughs> Have we? I think we've done it already. Remember, they go through the Friends Reunited page. Oh, that's right. But what's that got to do with? Charlie well, Sanchez? he he. Uh, I forget their names, but um, he he refers to a couple of girls he went to school with and says that they were like Charlie's Angels. Um, and then there were kids. Other next to them, there's two bearded children. Oh, the children. Then he says, uh, he says, um, like some of the kids he went to school with had full beards. And uh, who's the person writing the? Uh Big Will. That's trunks. one of the characters from from the Avenue. Um, what was her name? I'm blanking on her name, but she used to ride around in a tricycle with her husband in the back. Um, and she used to, if someone came over and she used to nick biscuits um, from the shops. And if someone came over and challenged her on it, she'd whip out a little mirror and talk to them through the mirror. She wouldn't look directly at them. And in one of their houses, we can see through the window and someone's at a computer are they searching Hungry Horus? No, they're playing Hungry Horus, the, <laughs> the game. And and look, in the front mirror, the, the, the perspective is a little off. The size isn't quite right. But it's his it's his mum pointing around the side because Carl was never allowed in the house. He used to have to go around the side to play Hungry Horus with his friend through the window. So that's what's going <laughs> is that his, at his mate's house? Yeah. <laughs> he had to stay outside. He, he wasn't allowed in. Oh, my goodness. So there's 36 people, a horse... A dog running sideways, one sick cat, two flat cats, and a magpie. Um, have a look at. Oh, I feel like this is a scene that Larry could have legitimately. Like this seems like a slice of. Was that the idea? He was like reflecting interesting communities. It was industrial north northern England. It was kind was of. Um, seems like that. This isn't far from that. No, I'll show you the the painting that it's based on, just so you have that as a reference, if I can find it. Hold on, stand by. Um, I've got it here in the. There you go. So this is the cripples by Lowry. So he was around in in very like in, I mean on the. The dying days of like Victorian era. Yeah. This is bleak. Yes. (laughs) As was Carl's childhood. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yep. I see where the uh, 
similarities are. Yeah. But instead of that crippled guy in the front, it's uh, Carl Pilkington. I made the decision, even though there's lots of stories of Carl being in different outfits, being in different locations, like being at his brother's, um, being at his brother's wedding when he was a kid. Uh, I I just drew one Carl who's front and centre. So if you'd like, if you check it out and you enjoy it and you'd like to get a copy of it, there's only two ways. You can either get a signed digital copy by becoming an executive producer of the show on Patreon. That's right. It's a new tier. Executive producers, how would you describe an executive producer's role on a traditional radio show? They're kind of in charge of the ship. They're the captain bo- of the ship. They're the they're like the boss of the show day to day. Yeah, but but then the content director is like the monarch. Well, we'll who's get giving to that. them uh, the orders. They're like the prime minister, and then above them is the content director, who is like the queen, basically yeah. the head of state. So to get a signed digital copy, become an executive producer of the show on Patreon. Um, it's a very important role. So in addition to the digital print, which we will. Um, digitally sign and maybe even number as well. We will personally thank the executive producers here on the Carly Pilk Boys. So you can sign up to that on Patreon, $6 a month to be an executive producer. Plus you get the bonus show and the regular show a week early, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. Now the only way to get an actual official physical copy of the print is to become our content director on Patreon. Now, this new tier is only open to one person, Zach, because we can only have one boss. You don't want multiple bosses. Of course, too many cooks. Ridiculous. Uh, Our content director will get a physical print of the drawing sent to their house. Zach and I will write a little message on the back. Also, as our boss, that means any feedback or thoughts or opinions you have on the show, we have to take seriously. So if you send anything through, we have to address it here on the show. To be our content director, it's $40 a month. Yes, it's ridiculous. It's uh, it's a joke. And uh, to be honest, it's mostly to cover the cost of posting an A4 rigid mailer to the UK, which uh, we know is where most of you are. So I would advise if you're interested, sign up, get the print, and then quit. <laughs> Do not stay our content director. There's not much uh, change left after that. It's pretty expensive getting... Well, yeah, then you'll just be giving us $40 a month after that because uh, you will get all the other stuff, but there's there's no point staying <laughs> staying as our content director. Dave's giving you advice on how to scam the system here. <laughs> well, because I don't want to just flat out sell it. You know, I want to make it more interesting. Okay. So getting it to one person at a time, if anyone yeah, okay, wants so it, that if is. they. It makes it a premium. Yeah, like so, they, so they they they're in the position for a month, and then they drop out, and a new person can take up the position. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that is you know content directors do come and go a they lot do. in radio. They do. So there is some commentary. There. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's really silly. But uh, if you'd like to get around it, Carly Pilk Boys on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. Okay. That's enough of that. Let's get on to the air check. The show that Zach <laughs> did. You know, I've been to. thinking about it. You know why it threw me off? Because we skipped that clip show, I got the numbers confused. So I remember when I was listening, I think it's number 22 I listened to. I was thinking, that seems too high. But I thought, oh, that's right. We skipped a week. Uh huh. So that's what put me off. All right. So my apologies, everyone. Well, um, but we are, you know, this is, um, we've done like, I don't know, 50 episodes or something. And so how many episodes have we done? 
Be close to 50. Uh, yeah, this is 21 and we did 24 in the first run plus so the bonus one. You've got to so. keep things fresh. Yeah. And so for a recap podcast, we're now not even listening to the thing we're recapping. That's, 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 that's how we're uh, well, you're, adding a bit of You're reacting to, to my recap, <laughs> which is and very I, and, deep. And what I'm hoping is not going to be tedious is me asking clarifying <laughs> questions about everything. Like, well, oh, why did they do that? Oh, why did they do that? Let's... Find out in break one, uh, Carl's been off for three days, but he still didn't stop working. This is something that he has said before on the show. You know, when like he's away on holiday and he thinks about something and then goes, Well, that's already, I'm, I'm not working. I I'm, can, I'm not on holiday. I can relate to that. I can't relax. Can you relax? Are you someone who likes relaxing? I don't uh, even like that. For relaxing. about three days, and then I go, and, and if I've got activities to do each day. But see, even like my wife and I went to this tiny house, you know, these like, yeah, it, it was like in the middle of rural Queensland or semi-rural anyway, but it was on a farm. You have to go down all these dirt roads to get there. And we were only there for like two days, but it's like, I'm like looking around the farm. I'm like, where can I walk to? Yeah. I'm like, what can I do? What's my activity for the day? You don't want to just get into a deep bath with a good book oh, and a glass of wine. There, but well, you know what I mean. Well, the you know equivalent, what? The tiny in, bath in those, in, Get when, in the sink. When you go camping, the the job often becomes the fire, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like you're just uh, you're like, i got to keep that fire going. How am I going to start the fire tonight? Do we have enough wood? Yeah. That becomes my project. And maybe that is what relaxing is. Maybe it's instead of being obsessed with work, you're just obsessed with something that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good And I guess it is it. a little bit relaxing to do that. But I do get restless, yes. The idea of lying by a pool for two weeks or whatever or a week is is like I like the idea of it, but I know I'd get bored and restless and start thinking about my um making plans or doing things. My brother in law and I we went on holidays with my um my wife's brother and his wife. <clears throat> to uh, the Amalfi Coast. We spent a week there once because they were living in London and we went to visit them and then we met back up later in Italy. And um, we spent like maybe a few hours a day. It was a, it was a town that was well known for like ceramics. And so I think they threw the old pots just into the creek or something. I don't know. But out onto the um, ocean, it was just lined with broken shards of pottery and they're all different colours. And we spent like four hours a day just walking up and down collecting them. And finding what we thought, we were like, oh, cool, this one's blue. <laughs> and, like, you know, have you ever become, like, really obsessed with a very small task while you're on holidays? And it feels like that you're doing something, like, like at the end of it, we just have this bag of shards of pottery. And we're like, well, what are we going to do with this? Why did we spend so long doing this? Uh, not, not to that detail. And then you get, like, there's a bit of, there's an ecosystem that develops, a culture that develops in among the uh, shard collectors where it's like there's a hierarchy of what are good shards and what are bad shards. And if you can get multiple colours on the one shard, that's a good one. And if you just like there's colours that are rare and you're like, oh, my goodness, I found a rare one. How old were you when you were on this trip? Like 27. Wow. 26 maybe. Um, you don't relate to that at all? No. Come you know what it's the equivalent of? When, when you're, you're a kid building a cubby. You know yes. how like for a whole holiday period – you can. We used to go to the bush from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day building cubbies and you just get obsessed with it. The reason I can't relate is that any trip as an adult that I've been on has been what I've been focused on is like drinking and eating or doing the thing that we're there for. 
Yeah. Or well, we were there, I guess, to like go you know to the beach. snowboarding and yeah, uh, true, surfing or whatever. Yep. But like Carl in this, so his his bar for what counts as work is so low. Yeah. Like if he thinks that he's not on holiday anymore, it, he's at work. So he has to be in a completely zen state. Yes. Just meditation. But what? Like you did that TikTok while you were in um, Tasmania that went really well about finding that finding the wombat. Mm. While you were doing that and thinking about that and filming that, were you like, well, I'm not on holidays anymore? Or did it make the holiday more enjoyable because it felt productive? Mm, Good question. Generally, I find, you know, there's this kind of narrative around like, get off your phone, you're on holidays. I like taking photos. Mm. That's like how I like engaging with the surroundings. And so I'm like, I do feel generally, because people sometimes are like, oh, taking photos while you're on holidays, why can't you enjoy the moment? Like, that is enjoying the moment. That's mm. how I like engaging with it. And so, I don't know, I probably should be able to relax more. <laughs> but, you know, you're already hiking. I'm not like, you know, it's not like I'm in a hammock, like, you know, and it's stopping me from sleeping. You're already doing a pretty, like, <laughs> arduous task. If you're hiking, it's fine to have your phone. If you're in a hammock, put that fucking thing down <laughs> and enjoy the gentle swing. Uh, I thought of something. I, I, I'm, I, I'm desperately want to relate to you on the the pottery yeah, 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 yeah. finding. When I was in, um, on like the, having a holiday on the Thai, some of the like islands in Thailand, like Copenhagen and stuff. It was a competition between me and my girlfriend at the time to like see who could become the better friends with the street dogs. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> there you go. There's always like a. That's what I'm saying. There's always like a holiday specific activity or joke or yeah. You know, that's because those the dogs, they are truly wild. Like they do, they do not fall for the same tricks. Well, I would have thought even attempting to be friends with them was kind of dangerous. Like, would, did you get bitten? No, I think no. if you got bitten, that would be but there bad was news. Like for a, yeah. Oh well. Yeah, you'd want to be up to date on your rabies and tetanus shots. But um, yeah. But like going like here you go, here you go. Like they just look at you like you are scum. So did you get to pat any? I did, yeah, but also then on the other, like that, the the health and safety. You don't want to get too. <laughs> you don't want them to lick your face necessarily. Yeah, that but there was one that, that followed that us home to the hotel. The, uh, stray dogs. Yeah, because you know, there's nothing stopping them from just running over and biting you. Oh, you, you read their body language. You know, yeah. if they're oh, hey, Steve Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since when did you become a wildlife expert? <laughs> Just a quick thumb up the ass, and that is, is usually anything other than that. They're usually fine. Um, but the thing that Carl was doing on his days off, so Carl's had a few days off earlier in the week. The thing that he did, which he said counts as work, was um, that he uh, was doing some scientific research. He found out that there are uh, you can get wigs for your pets in Japan. Really, that's interesting. Something he found on. <laughs> But he's clearly well, just on. found Are a they, Is it just a dress-up? Is it like a costume? Like, you know how sometimes people dress up their dogs? Or is it meant to look like actual fur? Like right. a human uh, wig. Like a human wig is not meant to look like a wig generally. Like a lot of the time it's to it, – a good wig, you can't tell it's a wig. You know, well, especially like if a man was covering up like a bald spot, for example, you don't want it to be obvious that you're wearing a wig. Is that the same with a dog? Well – is it like according a, to Carl? They didn't go into that much detail about it, but according to Carl, it, it, 
in his mind, the reason that they have the wigs in Japan is because pets are going bald over there. And he says, it's a stressful city, Tokyo. <laughs> so it makes sense to him. Also, well, even for the dogs, the dogs are on the Yeah, the dogs the are stressed as well. Yeah, <laughs> getting bald patches. They also come out of the song at the start of break two. Um, and Ricky's found a slide whistle, oh, also known as a swanee, a wind instrument consisting of a fipple. When was the last time you used the word fipple? Never. A fipple like a recorder's and a tube with a piston in it. It thus has an air reed like some woodwinds, but varies the pitch with a slide. So I imagine that was great to listen to. Yeah, because they, they joke about, they talk about like who invented this and where it's only used for like those old comedies oh, where yeah, okay. someone's I had top comes off or something. I'd imagine that Ricky just kept playing it over the top of people actually trying to talk. <laughs> he actually he he showed, showed some restraint. restraint. Yeah. <laughs> um, the construction of the, uh, the, what is it, Swanee, is rather like a bicycle pump. There you go. That's from the internet. Um, so, Carl's, uh, the, the pets, pets with wigs in Japan conversation uh, leads to uh, him asking if he's ever, if Ricky and Steve have ever seen a bald pet. They say no, we haven't. They said it looks weird, and they say, "Hang on, what are you talking about?" It leads to the all-time great story of Carl's mum shaving a cat. It is a story that starts with this great piece of context. We had a cat. We used to get through loads of cats because we lived. On a- <laughs> oh God! It's starting early today, isn't it? So he's telling the story of his childhood, and we used to get through loads of cats because we lived on a busy street. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> And then he tells the story. Uh, I hope this will make sense, but if not, I'll, I'll come back and give more context. For some reason, it kept being sick all the time. <laughs> yeah, that is news. That's definitely news. So my mum thought, kind of thought, oh, I've had enough of this, and she yeah. shaved it. What? Whoa! 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 Now I know, I know you're not vets in your family, but what correlation did your mum think? There was between it being sick and shaving it. Because it kept being sick and it was a pain to wash because it kept getting So she up. wanted a dry wipe cat. So <laughs> why didn't you just varnish it? <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. I mean, I guess we probably shouldn't impress the logic too much, but so do you have to wash a cat when they're sick? That's news to me. I thought cats generally were well known to wash themselves. <sighs> I presume if it's vomiting on itself, that's right. a lot to clean up. Yeah, true. Um, I'm not an experienced cat. So, owner. you know, the uh, shaving of the cat, although ill-advised, was... I can the understand intention, the logic. The intention was to help. Yes. Yeah, it's just maybe not the best idea. But also... Maybe it is. I don't know. Is Have we looked into this? What? I assume that you don't shave cats. Let's Let's have a Google. Should you... Shave a cat. Is there some dogs that you shave, right? Cats have a natural built-in insulator, their hair. Uh. This self-regulating mechanism allows them to retain warmth in winter and uh, uh, retain remain warm in winter and cool in summer. Isn't nature amazing? It's still important to keep kitty hydrated with fresh water, but shaving your cat is unnecessary. Here's another one. People also asked, is it cruel to shave a cat? What's the answer? Shaving is dangerous because the cat's skin is so thin from... What? The risk of uh, nicking or cutting the cat is very high. Shaving the pelt off requires using a clipper blade very close to the cat's skin, and sometimes the ability to see what is underneath is in- inhibited by the pelt. Also, cats tend to have like quite loose skin as well, so that there is a big cutting risk. 
I do know that if you cut a cat's whiskers off, that's bad because that helps them um, sense their navigate. depth possession. Perce- yeah, and navigate. So that's when they get stuck in fences and stuff. Yeah. Don't they? Um, so that's not good. But generally, I'd say um, the Carly Pilk Boys' position on this is uh, anti-shaving cats. Okay, is it important for us to? I think stay we need to position. put out a press release about this issue. You know, it's always when a dog gets shaved for surgery, and that's the only thing I can relate to. Yeah. Um, I don't know why my dog was shaved. It was shaved for a small portion of it was shaved like on its leg or something. Yeah, it always looks really weird. It does look very strange. Pet skin. Yeah, without fur, just looks very it's not odd meant to be like that. This poor thing. Also, um, it's not in the grab, but she didn't shave the whole cat. She only shaved the front half of it. So it was What's the sick. front half, like the head end. Well, I'd, I'd say the part that it got vomit on. So uh, okay. it was a half half shaved, sick, nervous cat. Yep. Are you? Do you? Are you cat people? Your family? No. No. Neither. No. I would say dog people, but because we had two dogs throughout my childhood into my adulthood, but they were only because, like, me and my brothers begged for a dog. Yeah, see, growing up, we would never had any animals. I had hermit crabs. <laughs> we used to race hermit crabs, me and my neighbours. Did you oh, yeah. do that? Uh, no, but I know that... And we're like 12. Did, but, like, those races can go for days, can't they, if they just... No, you make a circle and you put them in the middle. Uh, like in a yeah, put a, something over the top to keep him restricted. Then you pull it off, and the first one out of the circle wins. Sometimes they don't move. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's how you find out they're dead. Then <laughs> um, no, one time, uh, hermit crab, my friend's hermit crab, escaped, and we didn't know how. They're quite crafty. Somehow it got out of his tank. Honestly, two weeks later, we're in the kitchen and out from underneath the fridge to the cabinet, and just like scampers along. <laughs> It was like kicking, Unreal. kicking around in the house by itself. Oh, wow. Self-sufficient hermit crab. But would you oh, – you've got a greyhound now. Yeah. Would you say your family, like with you and your wife and baby, are going to be dog people? And uh, Yeah, maybe. My question. wife is very much a pet person or a dog person. Has she ever shaved a pet? Mm, like, no. Never – like, I imagine – I remember her cat like was wearing a cone once. <laughs> I imagine that involved some shaving. But I like that you can. But I think that was from a vet. Like that was an authorized shaving. I like that you can answer that question very quickly and very like uh, yes, I definitely like. No, we've had that conversation before. We we've had the have you ever shaved a pet conversation. I don't know. Maybe no, I think generally, um, you know, the shaving was left up to the professionals. <laughs> Um, on to break three. Oh, it is a shame that you haven't heard this. Maybe you can listen afterwards because it was genuinely a good show for the majority of it. Because Steve tells a story next that he heard someone slagging Ricky off in a in a oh, restaurant, saying wow. that um. Well, the thing about Ricky Gervais is he's he's just like his character in The Office, oh, and Ricky yeah. takes a real umbrage to that. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Like I use these same vocal cords, like you know I. I have the same face as, as David Brent, but um, to, to foreshadow next week, there's kind of a reversal of that because um, we won't comment on it anymore because we won't have anything <laughs> to say next week. But um, Carl kind of talks about what everyone in the station was saying about Steve the first time he came in and Ricky kind of 
shuts it down because it gets a little personal. They they touch on that again here because um, Ricky always looks for an opportunity to draw out how Carl first reacted to Steve when he saw him. Um, but in this same telling, Steve uh, laments that the only people who recognise him, because at this stage he's only had his cameo in Series 2 of The Office, are what he uh, describes as nerdlingers. <laughs> People who are really obsessed with the show. <laughs> yeah. And so what is Ricky's reaction? Is he upset that people think that he's like... Um, no, he, 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 he just says, well, look, they're wrong. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. They're, I wonder if actors get that a lot. And I, I wonder if that... I do generally think that the well-loved actors pick well-loved roles. It's always a brave performer when you're well-loved to pick an asshole. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because mm. they're always, they're not always, but they're very often the hero or the or the person who's most liked. Um, but it happens where people play characters who are uh, the baddies in the movie and then they cop it in real life. Like the kid who played um, Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Right. Like he he, he's, he left the industry completely. Because people were like, oh, you're... Well, you're- I think he said he didn't really want to pursue acting yeah, right. anyway. But like... Yeah, people. I do think the opposite is true. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like people get goodwill from their characters, Mm. where it's like, oh well, you know, (laughs) a fictitious character. (laughs) That's got nothing to do with who they are as a person. Who is the character and actor who you would most likely see in real life and and be? um, Well, I'll give you an example of. um, I'm not saying that this person isn't a great guy. I have no idea if they're a great guy or not. Can I guess who you're going to say? Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. No, I did think of Chris Hemsworth, though, but I thought that's like... Um, One more guess. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> actor? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, between the ages of 30 and 60? Yeah. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Famous for his rom-coms. <laughs> um, no, I was thinking of John Krasowski. Jim oh, from the yeah. American office. He probably is a super nice, great guy, but I feel like a lot of the goodwill comes from the fact that he was a well-loved um, yeah, character. Yeah, nice, nice, nice guy, guy character. character. But he probably is a nice guy because I guess you can then start saying, and I think people would say this, well, he wouldn't be able to play that if he wasn't a nice guy so convincingly, to which I'd be like, I don't know, people are pretty good performers. But, you know, do you get what I mean? Yeah, like and he, now I'm just thinking over his resume. It's been all safe, nice guy roles. Well, that's his... his um, Come on, John. Maybe that's his type. Play a pedophile. <laughs> Do it, you coward. Oh, I don't know if that would bode well for the career. I think you try to stay within an accepted... Uh, yeah. I don't know what... It's the kind that. of typecasting that, that no one would complain against. I just keep getting cast as... Charming, nice guys. Like yeah. he's 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 the new um, Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. I saw someone watching that on the plane the other day, and I thought, "Oh man, I've been out in it for a while." I'm You're like, not up what? to date with the Marvel movies. Is there's a new Fantastic Four. His character makes a cameo in the latest Doctor Strange movie. Spoiler alert! After the spoiler, because there was the Fantastic Four when I was a kid. Yep, which I liked with actually. Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel. And Captain America yeah, as Evans, the flaming torch guy. Is it Chris Evans? Yep. Um, but then there was another ill-fated one, I yep. think, with Miles Teller. Yep, fan four stick. 
Did that even come out? Yeah. It it's did a, come out. And it's, a, it's a dog shit movie. Wasn't it one of the famous flops? Yeah, and also famously um, troubled production and underwent a lot of rewrites and a lot of reshoots. You watch it, there, there are next to no action scenes. It's just this like serious drama that kind of goes nowhere until the very end and I then like it's over. That, though. That'd be great if the, if like <laughs> if um uh, the next Marvel film was just like a relationship drama between <laughs> Thor and like a romantic partner. Yeah. And so um and the the Fantastic Four are back, are they? They because um Disney in the multiverse Disney somewhere. acquired 20th Century Fox, which gave them all the uh, rights to the X-Men and Fantastic oh, X-Men, Four. So X-Men crossing over into... Well, Professor X is also making, also makes a cameo in the... the, the Blanking on his name. Um, Strange so, doctor person. Doctor no, the, 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 no the, the actor who plays Picard in Star oh, Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bald. Um, yeah. He also makes a cameo just because people are shouting at their... Uh, iPhones right now. Dumbledore. I, it's Dumbledore. It's Eugene Dumbledore. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Um, he's also in, he makes a cameo. So they're slowly integrating isn't, those, those uh, characters. Isn't X-Men DC? No. no. Marvel. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. No. Yeah. Marvel have all the, uh, all the IP. So really DC have Superman and Batman. And Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman, and Aquaman, and The Flash, okay, and Cyborg. And what is their Avengers called? Justice League. Justice League. <laughs> if you just joined us, this is the comic book boys, <laughs> where one of the boys is more informed than the other. Um, what's uh, where are we up to? So yeah, so someone uh, Ricky's been slagging Ricky. off. Um. And are these people informed, by the way? Are they basing it on an actual experience? I think it's just something he overheard in a restaurant. And just it's talking shit. Just talking shit. Because The Office would have just been the biggest thing in the UK on TV. It would have been, you know, really getting there at this point, I think. Mm. You know, because it's after the... Have you the- ever overheard a conversation like that? You spent a long time in LA. I imagine in the cafes and the restaurants, people are keen to share goss. Did you ever hear any... No, but I live in fear of saying something... Negative about someone because I love to talk shit about people and they're they're there oh. or nothing that happened has happened. I don't think I've ever done it, but but you send a negative message about someone else accidentally to that person. Mm. Is that happen that's to one you? of the worst? No, no. Um, but I, I know people. It's happened. I to. have been in a cafe before where another table was talking shit about the radio station I worked for. Ah, but just it was more professionally. This is an old radio session, by the way, not the one I currently work for. But it was like I think they were, you know, engaged in business and they weren't happy with how it was going down. Uh, But they were expressing it in ways that, you know, probably from memory wasn't super consistent with what HR policies would probably (laughs) dictate how you should talk in the workplace. It was candid. I think so, yeah. Um, Well, anytime someone's had a problem with any radio station I've worked for, they just tell me to my face. (laughs) Okay. That station sucks. Play too many ads and the music shit. Oh, I okay. actually forget what they're talking about, but from memory, it was something to do with that. And I remember using it as a lesson. I was like, okay, you just never know who's around. Mm. Um, in the next break, this is when Ricky says that the show's turned over a new leaf for 20, uh, 2003. And then Carl sets up Rockbusters, but he can't remember the um, answer to one of his own clues. 
wish you'd heard it. It's very funny because he uh, just I, there's a long pause and I go, "What's wrong?" He's like, "I just I'm trying to remember what the answer is." I I am getting clues now that I listened to the wrong one because Steve does say, "Did you write them down this week?" Uh huh. On to break six. White Van Carl is back, um, and the first story I can't even remember what it is, but it leads to this ridiculous uh, horror story that Carl retells for everyone. The woman on the bike. Sorry. This is a story about a woman who, um, who, who, who sees a kid on the street and, and it, something about this kid really terrifies her. The woman on the bike looks at the kid absolutely terrified, right? right. Got a really scary face on her. Yeah. The kid's thinking, why, why is she doing that? Yeah. Right? So anyway, she thinks nothing, nothing of it. Goes, you know, I think she was playing in the park or whatever. Goes and has a nice day. About 15 years later. Oh, right, yeah. She's, I don't know, I think she was going to work, right, on a bike. She was riding her own bike. Riding okay. her own bike, cycling down the road. Oh, yeah. Looks at the kid. That's the thing that happened, like, 15, 20 years ago. Right. It's her on the bike looking at her as a kid. Right. Not, not, not another child. No. <laughs> so, they created some type of... Time travel loop, have they? For this one specific person. Yeah. Chilling stuff, Zach. <laughs> what, so why didn't she recognise? I think if I saw my childhood self, I'd recognise myself. Well, or, yeah, you, you, you'd maybe be freaked out, but then you'd go, Oh, what's your name? What's your name? You'd talk to them instead of just like, Oh, my God. Have oh, you ever seen yourself? late to work. I saw a guy who looked a lot like me. And it is quite a strange experience, but I didn't think I'm stuck in a time travel loop. No. I just thought that guy looks a lot like me. No, once in um, my early 20s, uh, a group of friends rushed over at a pub and said, David, there is a woman in the next room who looks just like you. Um, come with us. We want to take a photo of the two of you. And I said, no, I am not taking part in this. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been I don't want to be a present. A prop for you to laugh at me and whoever this poor woman was. Do you have any... Cousins that you are unaware of? Uh, not, that not, you've never met? Not in, not, in, not in Perth, that's for sure. Uh, in break seven, they, we, we get two stories, one about Ricky's dad, one about Carl's dad. Um, it starts with Carl saying that he's purchased a flat. He and Suzanne have bought somewhere to live, so he's looking at kitchens and he's he bought a, a leatherish couch. Um, and sto- uh, Ricky tells the story of um, his dad who had a chair that he refused to get rid of because it just was shaped perfectly to his body. And also, um, it was the same case for his bed. And he slips in the detail that his parents had separate rooms towards the end. So he, his dad had this it's bed. The, the end of what? Their lives. Of Ricky's parents? They're both. They're both dead. Oh. Yeah, they both passed that. away. If we ever do Series 0, which Amber, if you're listening, you have suggested we should do Series 0 of the show, which I've played a little couple of clips. It was when Ricky's dad, mum was still... Actually, both his parents would have still been around and he records phone calls with her. So not only did they sleep in separate beds, but separate rooms as separate well. Separate rooms, yeah. yeah yep. okay. And he's saying how he used to... It was just like a, a, a perfect little dip in the middle where his body would go and his dad would say... Well, it's, it's so I don't roll out. It's so I don't fall out. And he used to lie in bed. How's this for like a bygone era? He used to lie in bed. Go away. Sorry, phone's ringing. 
He used to lie in bed rolling cigarettes, so then tobacco would get everywhere. So he's saying his mum would come in and vacuum out the the bed. There's there's nothing wrong with not throwing out the bed because you've got a divot in it that's shaped to your body. Bed does make me sad. Yes. Like, there's just something. I can't realise why it makes me sad, but, like, it's just just this... It paints it, a lonely, it, sad picture. It paints picture. a lonely picture, and it paints an idea of just um, life going by. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's what happens. In what sense? Like the idea that just, eventually you, know, yeah, you just, just eventually. go back to your own room and yeah, I don't know, you mean I don't know like what the, it is? It does remind me of like I think I'm picturing my grandparents, like the smell of their house and yeah. and like what you know. Because uh, they were the smokers, and I'm picturing the same types of beds they had, and I've got a real picture of what it's like. Yeah, and I don't love it, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, the thing that Carl's dad did was he built, I think it was a a wardrobe or something in a bedroom, and then didn't allow enough room for the mattress, the bed next to it, so he sawed uh, off. Part of the bed that comes back next week. Yeah, he actually. I didn't cut understand part of the that reference. The, okay, I'm now it's realizing there were clues. <laughs> uh, and uh, Steve pitches the idea of um, that they should do a show because Ricky says, "Next time you go home, can I please film it just for Channel Four?" And they say, "Well, the Osbournes the mm. show was a very big show at the time, so why we could do the Pilkingtons." Uh, in break eight. They would 100% do that now, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, that would have been an uphill pitch then to be like, oh, so hang on, what's it going to be? But also the Osbournes is the reference, not the Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Well, because there was only one show like that, but now you'd just say, oh, we're, it's a reality show where we follow him back yeah. to his hometown. And people understand that context. Uh, in break eight, we get the next edition of Do We Need Him? This week it's about snails. Uh, again, no details of who he's speaking to. The conversation just starts mid-conversation, um, to which we find out the reason is because he didn't ask the guy's permission to play it on air. Oh. And they talk about that. They on it. So he said, like, yeah, I just won't say who he is or where he works. But, um, you know, he, was, he worked at an aquarium. I just think that would not pass muster. Like, there are very clear rules now. Mm-hmm that anyone whose voice ends up on air must be aware that they're on air. They must know it. Yep. Um, they must consent. My co-host was, this wasn't on air, but it was in a podcast. He had a friend who was making this podcast, right? And so his friend just comes out one day. So my co-host had no idea that he was making this podcast. He just comes out one day like on Facebook or Instagram or something. He's like, I've launched this new podcast. Everyone go listen. And my friend was listening to it because it's his friend who's made a podcast. And suddenly there's recordings of himself in there. Oh. Like this other guy had been recording their phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like – there was nothing that he probably wouldn't have given him permission for. Like it wasn't – the premise wasn't to catch this guy out in a hidden phone call. He just wanted him to comment on something. So it was kind of bizarre. It's like why didn't – what, it, it, and I was talking to my co-host and he's like, I had no, I'm just listening to it like anyone would. And suddenly my voice comes on and I had no idea those phone calls were being recorded. And he was not bothered at all. He's like, oh, well, you know, but in the same episode, he, the guy interviewed an expert or like a guest who didn't want to be, didn't give permission for it to be played. And so 
here's a way that they get around it in radio sometimes is you can, um, you'll get an actor, you'll write down the thing the person said, and then you'll just get an actor to play the part. And that's a way you can get around the permission. And so he said on the podcast, that's what I've done. This person has not given me permission. So I've got someone to um, re-record what the person said. And then he turns to me when he's saying this and he goes, but I just played the original audio. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no one knows that it's not. Like no one's ever going to find out. I'm like, I don't think you can do that, man. (laughs) Yeah. Risk versus reward. I mean, really. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was a podcast, you know. Like this podcast, they just Bit evaporate evaporate into the ether. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Send it out into the sea of content that's already out there. Um, in break nine, Rickidiculous. Oh, this one. I think it. This is like the. It's another edition of like. Oh well, which what is the Rickidiculous fact? And one of them is uh, the 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 reason girls can't throw is because that part of their brain is taken up by emotion. It takes Carl, in my opinion, too long to uh, work out that that's the ridiculous one. That is a good idea, though, when trying to convince someone of a fake thing is to play into their prejudice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because he would be like, like, if that's a belief that he holds, that, you know, one of those two things is true. And, you know, that'd be a way to convince him of something that's fake. Because the one he's stuck on is between that one. He does eventually choose that one. But the, one of the other facts is you're more likely to be killed by a donkey than in a plane crash. Okay. And so he's like, I know that one sounds ridiculous, but I did hear that. But so that anyway, most of the reason I wanted to bring that up was just because it's a thing that was so important in particularly primary school, which did not translate into high school or adult life. Was it the same for you? The ability to throw a ball really far was such a coveted skill at my school. Well, definitely. I don't know if we ever had a competition, but I remember in primary school, like who could throw the rock the furthest into the lake was like, I remember being on year five camp and we're all lined up on the creek bed throwing rocks and like, yeah, definitely who could throw it the furthest becomes, you know, head of the food chain. Yeah, it's like this feats of strength. It's a very primal, like basic. Um, but it not used in to be high school, though. I don't. No, no, it's 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 purely a primary school it's, issue. It's like it, a big flex. Yeah, they, they, look they, how strong they I used am. to have it look at the school carnival. What? How far you can throw? Just Isn't like just throwing a ball. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was literally just like you're allowed to chuck it. And the kid who could do it the furthest, he was hot shit because he had a good arm on him. Yeah, okay. And what, popular among oh men and women or boys and girls? Guys wanted to be near him. Girls wanted to be with him. <laughs> Did you hear how far he could throw? <laughs> he threw it. That was like a- six metres. Yeah. <laughs> it um, is funny my uh, daughter's learning how to throw. Oh, it is pretty it, – it, it's amazing having kids because you don't realise how much you take for granted – like throwing, because throwing is meant to be one of the big things that humans can do. That's There's an idea that that really helped us separate mm. us from other species because um, we've got these muscles across our chest and we could throw rocks really good. Mm. Like think of any other animal. Can anyone else true, yeah. pick up something that's and create more force than they were able yeah. to beforehand. Because you can pick up a rock and throw it at an animal. And I, then you, and then if you get 10 of you to pick up rocks and throw it at animals, you can suddenly take down quite a big thing. I've seen a killer whale flipper 
seal into the air. That is pretty impressive. (laughs) But watching my daughter do it, you don't realize like, it's like, oh yeah, you had to learn how to do that because she just throws like from the chest out. There's such little force. I'm like, no, sweetie, you got to get right back (laughs) and throw everything. So just to be clear, clear, you're you're running this lesson on an overpass and you've got rocks throwing them down at the cars on the freeway. That's right. No, sweetie, come on. Because I wanted to be popular in primary school. (laughs) And so we have to start now. (laughs) Um. They then get on to educating Ricky, and this is a part where I've got some vision. So they, uh, Carl tells the story about a kid who was found living with monkeys, and he says when he was found, he was covered in hair. He'd grown hair. He'd, he'd taken on, he'd acquired this physical attribute of the monkeys, which Ricky finds ridiculous. I, uh, I do like to do a bit of background research and think like, well, Carl always, he's always based this thing off something that has happened, but he always gets the details wrong. So this edition, I actually found a documentary from the National Geographic channel about the boy who was raised by monkeys. The documentary is called Feral Children, and um, there's a couple of clips. This is one of those, like, um, National Geographic documentaries where they, it is like, a masterclass in dragging shit out. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like they have three minutes of interesting content and they drag it out into 45 minutes. It's like there was a whole series called Finding Bigfoot. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't find it. There was an eight-part series and at the end, no, didn't find it. That was like that podcast, Missing Richard Simmons. Did you ever listen to that? It was like it was a really popular podcast about like the – fitness personality, Richard Simmons, Mm. who was very public, suddenly one day just disappeared, just stopped showing up. And it is is a good podcast, Mm. but the whole time they are alluding to all these theories about what's happened. Like maybe he's transitioning, like Mm. he's transitioning to a woman, maybe he's whatever. In the end, it's just, oh, no, he's just at home. (laughs) (laughs) He just, he's just had enough. He's just Has old. anyone uh, knocked on his door? Yeah. <laughs> there are all these theories about like his housekeeper was keeping him um, hostage. Mm. No, it's just, it's just at home. He just uh, didn't, he's just had enough. Anyway, come around here. So we'll play oh, this out. I thought you misspoke when you said you had footage. No, I no. I thought you meant audio. No, uh, it, this is uh, oh, some yeah. clips. Well, maybe oh, wow. take a seat because there's a, there's a bit. Bring your microphone around. So we'll learn about the story that Carl tells about the uh, boy raised with monkeys. This you is can tell that this is an old clip because the ratio, um, aspect ratio is wrong on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> it's got its own letterboxing. Here we go. Most compelling cases in modern history comes from Kampala in Uganda. Setting Kampala the scene. Kampala is home to over a million people who, like most city dwellers, face a sometimes difficult commute to work. But one wrong turn on these dusty roads can lead to some of the world's thickest jungle. I feel like it would take more than one wrong turn yeah. to end up in thick jungle. See, already it's like, hurry well, the, up. The establishing shots were a very dense um, urban kind of landscape. Yeah, I don't think it goes then over the street to the world's dentist, densest jungle. Maybe it does, I don't know. South of Kampala, on the edge of Africa's untamed forests, lies Bombo Village. 
It was here, in 1991, that a remarkable story emerged. A woman walking through the African brush one day was startled by a group of vervet monkeys chattering in the trees. The monkeys were a common sight around the outskirts of the village, often stealing food and bothering the locals. But as the woman watched them, she caught a glimpse of something that terrified her. A dark form crouching in the branches. There's a great dramatic reenactment happening. The creature that caused her to run was a human boy. Later, when the woman realized what she'd seen, she went back into the jungle and brought the child home. News of the strange boy quickly spread. The local villagers felt sorry for him, but they weren't quite sure what they were seeing. Everybody came to see the new boy who had hair all over. And he had hair all over, seemingly confirming it's Carl's story. He had no toe. The toe was bitten by monkeys. So he had no toe. So this kid's like seven or something, so... Not very fun. So, well, then you'll see this is part one and then I've got part three because they do the, the, the great thing of hooking you with this great story and then they go, well, we should hear from the man himself and then they go into an entirely different story and save it for the very end. Well, it's here. So, this is when they actually speak to the kid who at the time um, was still only 17 years old. Wow. So, this is that you can work out. So that was 91, if he's 17 now. This was like 2007 or thereabouts. All right, here we go. Now 17 years old, he still lives at the orphanage, but as the adopted son of Molly and Paul. In many ways, John's like any other teenage boy. He hangs out with his friends and he's mad about sport. In the years since he left the jungle, he's made tremendous progress. But to this day, he has trouble learning. John functions at a kindergarten level, and he speaks and understands only a little Ugandan and English. But in other ways, John has excelled. His love of running led Molly and Paul to enter him in the Special Olympics. And this has now become a passion. One of the key people in John's life is Solomon M. Weber, who acts as his big brother and mentor. Over the years... They're climbing a tree right now. Yeah. I hope that was the kid's choice. <laughs> and not guys, just I've the... got, got an idea. Why don't you guys run up and climb this tree? Because you used to live with monkeys. So let's see if you still got those skills. And so far, he looks good at climbing trees, but not above what a human could no, do. I could race him. Solomon has learned to interpret John's broken language. John has become used to the urban world of Kampala. But we've asked Solomon to bring John back to the place where he was first found to see like if he remembers idea. anything about his time in the wild. John's a bit nervous, but there's one thing he remembers clearly. Hey. Well, we're here with John and uh, he's been trying to explain to me that this used to be his home. This is the very tree he was found, but it was a bit short when he could climb it. So this is the very tree where he was found. Solomon asks what else John remembers. 
and small overtop. Over John remembers more of the young monkeys, the small monkeys. He says that most of his time during the time they were spending that time on eats. They were ever eating whatever they had. The reality of being lost in the jungle would surely have been frightening for a small boy. But that isn't what John seems to remember. Instead, he recalls playing with the monkeys. John says that uh, when he was with the small monkeys, they used to hide and each one had to go and look for another one. So they were playing. It was kind of their game. So that's the, the thing they used to, to do. I used to play hide and seek. Do we ever get to the bottom of why he was in the jungle? Uh, and how long he was, they say raised by, but surely a seven-year-old couldn't live in a, he, uh, you know, unattended that, for a long really period of time. really good Zach. I think there was, um, it was something to, like he got separated from his mother at a young age. And I think he was there for a while. Really? Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. It's a sad story anyway. I'm, the, the more it goes on, I'm like, huh, yeah, it actually, is, <laughs> this is really sad. <laughs> but the details that Rick Carl tells in the story is are mostly what well, is he ridiculed uh, from Ricky and Steve about? Oh, particularly being, the hair part. Um, but I mean, that's what and the, the concept is said, and the concept of being raised by. Um, well, isn't that like raised by wolves? Wasn't that? Like oh, that I feel like that was a story that you heard about when you're a kid. Look, they're all great questions about. Uh, why he ended up there and how long? Don't have the answers to those, unfortunately. Yep. So we'll just uh, listen to draw your own conclusions. Our eight-part documentary. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, where we're just going to play that documentary. In the next break, um, they follow up on hairy kid stories, and Carl um, refers to the book of weird people and says there was a guy in there who was basically just a head on a skateboard, and the picture of him was having him having a shave using his mouth to like. Use a razor, and he said, "Well, if that's the case, you may as well just grow a beard." And then Steve says, "But then the hair will get caught in the wheels." And he says, "Good point. Good point." Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get to the end here. Rockbusters, they were actually pretty good this this week. Um, the, Ricky says, "I'll give you all of those ones." Um, and then Ricky has this great call on Carl. I, I can just imagine him yeah. being the second cleverest in a troop of monkeys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Second cleverest. <laughs> uh, and they end on um, they end on starting a ritual about Easter Island, but they don't finish it because they run out of time and they go to a song. So that's it. That's the end of Series 2, Episode 21. They just, just end the segment halfway through. Yeah, Carl goes, oh, you know what, we're out of time, and Ricky shouts and then they just go to a song. Um, so they don't end as strong as they begin. They also don't follow that up next week. I no. know that. Well, that, they that said. story is lost forever. Okay. Next week, Series 2, Episode 22, we get the birth of Monkey News, the Jamaican Rockbuster Clue, and the Pork Chop Story. Um, you can support the show, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. There's two new tiers, executive producer and content director, the only way to get an actual print of the drawing depicting Carl's childhood. You know what the concerning thing about the three things you just hooked of the episode I listened to by mistake is I only recognise one of those. <laughs> I was like, pork shot? What's, what's that? 
Uh, well, I'll be honest. I got that from, instead of just listening to the whole next week's episode, I just go through the YouTube comments uh, and see what people identify. And idea. that's what I grabbed. I wondered how you did that. So I might actually, that, um, that person might be misinformed. So I don't know. Bear that in mind. Contact us, CarlyPilkBoysPod at gmail.com. Instagram, Carly.PilkBoys. Zach Manda on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm David Ferrier Cartoons. Zach, see you on the next one. Bye. Fuck, I've had enough of this since you shaved it.